Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. What's up, guys? How y'all? Y'all right? Welcome to RVR. You guys excited about Winter Meltdown? I heard a rumor that Grace Baptist was in the house. Is Grace Baptist here? Somebody, somebody said Grace Life was in the house somewhere. And Grace Fellowship was in the house. And Hunt Valley. Well, we praise God that all you guys are here. But what I want you to know, praise God for the places that you came from. But where we are right now, guess what we are? We're one family. We are one family all together, all of those groups, all of those churches. We are one family in the body of Christ. Amen? And we are a part of a larger family of God. Where God, you're going to hear me say this over and over, but God through Jesus Christ and His grace calls us in to one family. And not only that, when He does so, He calls us to live in such a way that we represent for all the world what God is like. And then the third thing that we're going to say over and over again is that He calls us and He equips us so that we can invite other people in to that family. So you guys all right if we talk about that for the next couple days? Is that, is that all right? All right. So tonight, particularly around this theme, we're going to talk about I gave, how God gave us a family. He gave us freedom. He gave us life to be in this family together. Now, how many of you guys are excited to be here this weekend? And I... I didn't hear, how many of y'all are first-timers at RVR? That is awesome. We are glad that you are here. Now, you know something I was thinking back as I, was, I came on this weekend. I was remembering, it was a while ago, many years ago. How many of y'all ever been to Ocean City? You've been to Ocean City, Maryland? I remember, amen, going on a weekend just like that when I was a teenager. And I want to tell you that it changed my life. It set a course for the way that I would live for the rest of my life and what I would give my life to. And my prayer is nothing short of that for you guys, that what happens here wouldn't just stay here, but it would be felt in your lives when you leave this place. Now, maybe some of you come and saying, well, I didn't come to have my life changed. I just wanted to have a good time. And that's what I did on my weekend. Me and my friends, we got together. That's not us, but just a picture of some kids. But a bunch of my friends and I went, and we weren't expecting all that happened. All we wanted to do was go and play basketball, right, before LeBron and Zion. How many Zion fans in here? You know who that is? All right. We wanted to play basketball, and we wanted to meet girls. Now, how many? go ask your leaders who those ladies are in that picture. But that was all we were interested in. But then we came away from that weekend having our lives changed. And that is my hope for you guys that God would do a work in you that would change your life for the rest of your lives. All right, let's open in prayer, all right? We'll get started. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time that you've given us. I thank, just thank you for the privilege that we can come and say, Father, thank you that we are sons and daughters of yours through Jesus Christ. We pray that you teach us more and more about what it means to be one family. And not only that, we pray you would give us power to live as a part of the family of God. 
We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, I know every person here has a different story, a different story of the family that you're in and the family that you came from. And if, if I, I asked everybody one by one, what's your impression of family? What do you think of when you think of the idea of a family? There's lots of things that you would say. So I thought it'd be appropriate as we talk about that to give you a picture of some of my family. These are my four kids. Um, and that was, that's actually a while ago. That picture was like 10 years ago. And so in that picture, my kids are, let's see, going down the line. They're uh, 6, 12, 10, and 8 in that picture. And this one is just from a couple years ago. So they've gotten a little bit bigger and older. In that picture, I think they're 19, 17, 15, and 13. And those kids now are 23 and 21 and 19 and 17. They're not even kids anymore. Man, isn't that crazy? Now, they're beautiful kids, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, thank you very much. But some people say, well, wait a minute. They don't all look like there's two of them that are a lot lighter than the other two. There's two that are darker than the other two. How can you explain that? And, and actually, I actually forget about this until I tell the story. But my oldest two kids, who are now 23 and 21, Charvez and Shaquana, are actually adopted. We adopted them. And then Joshua and Caleb are my wife and I's biological kids. And actually, some of the story, when I moved, um, how many of y'all have been to Baltimore in the city? You've been there? So I was a pastor in Baltimore City in a neighborhood called Sandtown, which is in West Baltimore. And so my wife and I moved there, and we didn't have any kids, and I was pastoring a church there. And then we had one child, the guy that's all the way on the end there, Joshua. That was our first child. And the other two kids, Shaquan and Charvez, we actually knew them from our neighborhood. They were involved with our church. And in fact, there was a lot of tragedy in their lives that I was involved in as the pastor. In fact, their father, their biological father, was killed. He was shot to death on the streets of Baltimore. And I actually did his funeral. He was the same age as me. And I did his funeral. And I remember Charvez was four years old. And Shaquana was two years old. She doesn't even remember him. Well, then after that, maybe a, a few months later, um, Shaquan and Charvez, and they had two other siblings. They got taken from their mom's house, and they had to go live somewhere else. And that was because one of their siblings was hurt so badly, all the kids had to leave. And so Shaquan and Charvez went to live with their grandmother, with the, their dad's um, mom, their dad that had died. And so they're staying with their grandmother, and they're going to go into foster care. They have a year for the mom to kind of get herself back together to be able to get the kids back. Well, we get close to the year. It's almost a year later. And, uh, and the grandmother is talking with my wife, and she says, Mom hasn't done everything that she's supposed to do to, to get the kids back, and so they're going to go into foster care. And so she's in tears because she doesn't know what's going to happen. She, she can't take care of them herself. She doesn't know what's, where they're going to go. She doesn't know if they'll stay together, if they'll be split apart. So that, that afternoon, I came home from work, and, uh, and my wife said, Hey, Thurman, I got something for you to pray about. And, and look, are there any husbands in the room? Whenever your wife comes and says, I got something for you to pray about, watch out. Because your life's about to be changed. My wife said to me, what would you think about us becoming their foster parents? And I said, we can't even handle Josh. He was just a baby at that time. But then I said, we got to pray about that. Because isn't that how God has treated us? Right? He's adopted us into his family. And so we prayed for um, that week, and then we went to the grandmother, and we said, we'd like to apply to be their foster parents. And she said, that'd be great. 
And so later that year, they came to live with us as foster kids. Now, something else happened. Like during that time, we also found out my wife was pregnant with the other one, with Caleb. So we went from one to four, like all, in this, all within a couple of months. It was amazing. But the last thing I wanted to tell you about that is a couple of years later, we had the adoption ceremony, and, uh, and, and the kids had their last name changed. They wanted to take our last name. We gave them the choice. And, uh, and then you know what they do is they redo their birth certificates. Now, how many of you have ever seen your birth certificate? Have you seen it? Now, you know what it will have on your birth certificate is it will have your parents' names. And so they gave us these new birth certificates with the kids' names, each, each of them. And then what I was expecting, because you know what they do is they'll usually, they'll put the parents' age when, when you're born, and, and they'll put the parents' age. So what I was expecting is when we got the birth certificate, it would have on their, our age when we adopted the kids. But that's not what was on there. When they gave us the birth certificate, it had on it our age when the kids were born. Do you know the significance of that? What that's saying even the courts are saying, in the mind of God, out of all that's happened in all of their lives, in the mind of God, you were meant to be one family all along. That was the significance of that. Through all the tragedy, all the things that they've been through, and it's listen, it's been no bed of roses either. It's, we're a typical family, but we're one family that God has brought together, and he's brought us together to represent him and invite, invite other people into knowing that family. Now, there's a person we're going to talk about from the Old Testament in each time that we talk. Now, how many of you guys, I know y'all are Bible scholars, right? How many of you guys have heard of the prophet Hosea? Have you ever heard of him? Hosea, he's got a wild story, right? Those guys that know, yeah, he's got a wild story. Now, you, do you know what the prophets did in the Old Testament? One of the things they would do is they would represent God before the people. And so God would give them a message that he wanted to communicate to his people, and they would go, and they would say, thus says the Lord. And they would say whatever message it was that God had for them. But sometimes what God would do is he would call those prophets to live in a way that was crazy in some instances. That was an illustration of the message that he wanted to communicate. So Hosea was one of those guys. And wait until you hear, those of you that have never heard of him, what God asked him to do. Okay? So let's pick up. I'm going to put it on Hosea chapter 1. So it says here that the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, the son of Jehoash, king of Israel. Now, if you want some homework, go and read uh, 2 Kings and read about all those kings. They were living in a crazy, crazy time. You think we're in a wild political time now? They were back then. And so Hosea was ministering in that time. And here's what God asked him to do as a prophet. Okay, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulteress, adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. He says, Go and marry a promiscuous woman. What that means is a woman that is going to be unfaithful to you. 
A woman that is going to cheat on you in the language. A woman that you're going to pledge your allegiance to, but she's not going to be committed to you. Now, why in the world would God ask a prophet to do something like that? That's got to be heart-wrenching. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you're in Hosea's shoes and God come and ask you to do something like that? Why? Well, he tells you why he's asking in that verse. He wants that to be a real-life illustration. For, like an adulterous wife, this land, and he's talking about the people of Israel who um, Hosea is ministering to, they're guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. He wants that marriage to be an illustration of the way that God's family, the way that God's people are treating him. Now, wh- where is he getting that language from? Now, let me ask you, we got some Bible trivia, all right? Do you guys know the first of the Ten Commandments? What's the first commandment of the ten? What's that? Put God before everything else. You shall have what? No other gods before who? Before me. Right. Amen. That's the first commandment. No other gods before me. It's kind of like in a marriage relationship. It's saying it's an exclusive relationship. And so you know what God is getting at. He's saying, listen, all the commandments, 2 through 10, right, we can name some of those. Don't steal, right, don't lie, don't murder, don't commit adultery, all those different things. All those things, when we break all of them, you know what God is saying? It's a result of you breaking the first one. The reason that we lie, the reason that we murder, the reason that we covet, the reason that we steal is because there's something else that we put in the place of God. And we say that thing is more important than God. I've got to have it. And so God is saying, I want you to understand the relationship that I have with you. It's an exclusive love relationship for you to be in my family and for you to have life the way I intend you to. I've got to be your God. Now, I asked you what the first commandment is. Do you know how the first, or excuse me, you know how the Ten Commandments start? You say, duh, they start with number one. Well, actually, that's not how they start. If you go back, you read in Exodus 20 or in Deuteronomy 5, the way that they start is before they get to commandment one, God says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery from the land of Egypt. In other words, I'm the God who saved you who set you free, who rescued you, who brought you into my family. And now all these things I'm going to ask you to do are out of that relationship. It's not, if you obey me in all these things, then I'll let you be in my family. God says, I am bringing you into my family, and you obey me as a result of that, out of gratitude and obedience to the relationship that I've begun with you. So again, imagine you're in, you're in Hosea's shoes. What would you do? Well, what did he do? Let's see, verse 3. So he married Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and she bore him a son. In other words, Hosea obeyed. He did what God told him to do. And, when we, and tomorrow morning we'll get into what happened after that. But I just wanted you to see here that he listened to what God said. He obeyed God to be this practical illustration of the love that he's supposed to have of the family of God. Now, 
what I'm going to do in each message is we're going to talk about Hosea, and then we're also going to talk about something in the New Testament around the same idea, right, of how God calls us into a family, of how he wants us to live in such a way that we show the world about God, and that so we invite other people into knowing him. Well, let's look in the New Testament in Luke chapter 5. This is a story some of you might have heard before. It's with Jesus, and what it says, one day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And it says he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Can you picture that? And then it says he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, other known as Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So can you picture that? Imagine. There's a crowd here bigger and bigger than this. And there's Jesus in the boat. He's teaching all the people. This is a great scene, right? He's an incredible teacher and preacher. And then something happens. It says, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, put yourself in Peter's shoes. How would you respond? You're like, man, you're a great preacher, Jesus. But how are you telling me how to fish? Does anybody know what Peter's job is? What is he? He's a fisherman. And here's the preacher telling him how to fish. And then here's what he says. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. In other words, we fish at the best time to fish, and we didn't catch anything. And now you're asking us to put a net out in the worst time of fish. But out of respect, he says, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. What do you think he's thinking? It's like, man, this dude doesn't know anything about fishing. But we'll show him. Well, here's what happened. They put down the nets. And it says when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled up both boats so full that they began to sink. Think about what happened. They fished at the best time to fish, and what did they catch? Nothing. They come at the worst time to fish, and what did they catch this time? Everything. <laughs> Both boats are so full that they're starting to sink. Now, how would you react to this? You'd say, man, we got to sign Jesus up. We're going to make millions of dollars now. This is great. But that's not how Peter responded. Instead, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Can you picture that? He falls down like this, and he says, Lord, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. He fell down and said, Lord, get away from me. Because I'm a sinful man. Why do you think he reacted like that? He realized he's in the presence of somebody who's not just a good teacher, who's not just a good preacher, but somebody who can command the wind and the waves and the fish of the sea, and they listen to him. He didn't even know all of what he would find out later, but he's God in the flesh. And so he says, go away from me, because you know what else? He realizes he's holy, and I'm not. 
and so get him away from me. But how does Jesus respond? Oops. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. For now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything, and they followed him. This is Jesus inviting Simon Peter and his friends into his family. He's saying, leave everything else behind. You come into this family, and I'm going to work in you, and I'm going to change you, and you're going to live in a new way, and you're going to bring other people into this family. And so that's exactly what he did. It says that they left, they pulled up their boats, they left everything, and they followed him to become a part of his one family. Listen, guys, have you heard the call of Jesus on your own life? That same call he gives to you, maybe as you think about him and you think about your own life and your own heart, you're like, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful woman. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful girl. I'm a sinful boy. I can't be around you. But the words that he says to Peter, he also says to you, don't be afraid. And we'll talk about tomorrow night why he can say that. But he says to you, don't be afraid. Come with me and do what I have called you and made you to do. And they did. And the Bible says that they turned the world upside down. And I believe that God wants to do that with you, that he loves you. You are his beloved sons. You are his beloved daughters. You are his family, called to show the world what he's like and to invite the world to be a part of this incredible family. Now, I don't know if you'll do this tonight, but maybe tomorrow you'll have some time to think about in your groups, some questions, and then I'm almost done. But here's what I'd, I'd like you to talk about, and maybe you can talk about this with your leaders. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Think about that. Okay, I, I told you a little bit about what I was looking forward to, my, my first one. What are you looking forward to? And we've talked a lot about family tonight, right? When you, what do you picture when you think of what a family is? Whether that's your own family or another family or an ideal family, what do you think of when you think of family? And then how would you have responded if you were like Hosea? You remember what God asked him to do and he did it? How would you have responded to something like that? And then put yourself in Peter's shoes. How would you have responded if you were there with Jesus, with what you saw? All right, so I want you to spend some time talking about that whenever it is you get in your groups. Um, let me close us in prayer, then we'll be done. Father, we are so grateful for the family that you have called us to be a part of. Lord, we um, thank you that we're going to have the chance to learn a lot more about Hosea and the wild call and all that happens with that. But tonight, we just thank you that we can be sons and daughters of yours through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray even now that you might turn people's hearts towards yourself, that they would want to be in your family. Show us what it means to live as people in your family and help us, Lord, to be able to invite our friends, our family that maybe don't know you yet, but help us invite them to be a part of this incredible family that you've called us to be a part of. 
Lord, we ask all these things, and, and we thank you so much for all we've already gotten to do, and we look forward to what's ahead. But all these things we ask in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.